are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Min and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor. Hello, guys, and thank you so much for tuning in to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I am your host, Victor, and I'm so happy just to be back here with you guys bringing you another podcast. And I'm just so thankful that the grace of God has given us another day to record and to post. And so glory be to him, and we're so excited to be bringing you this topic today. Uh, I just wanted to go ahead and talk about Grace Nation Ministries for just a quick second. Uh, As you guys have probably seen, if you follow the website and the ministry, we have... Uh, a new writer, and I'm so happy to, and so thankful to uh, introduce Jensen as as a new and regular blogger on Grace Nation. She'll be kind of overseeing the blogging section of the ministry, and I think that's really cool, and hopefully that you guys will just really appreciate everything that she has to offer, and she's just a really good friend of mine, and so I'm super pumped that she gets to kind of join the Grace Nation ministry team. And I'm so excited to, to see what God does in and through her and on that section of the website. If you guys haven't read anything from her yet or if you guys uh, aren't familiar with uh, the post that she's made, go ahead and check it out. Seriously, it's uh, it's really informative and it's really just cool. Like I just kind of love the style and how she writes. So, yeah, so make sure you guys go check that out. And today's podcast, we're going to be talking about something that is quite controversial within the Christian community. Not just within Reformed circles, but pretty much all over the Christian uh, church. This is something that's debated, it's something that's argued, and it's Mm. something that everyone has a different opinion on. I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host today. I am welcoming back Billy. He was our co-host for the What is Reformed Theology podcast. And so I just want to welcome you back, man. How you been? It's, It's Great to be back. Um, I hope you've been doing well. I mean, class has been going well. Classes are going well. <laughs> yeah. Not too sure, but they're going. <laughs> well, you actually uh, you visited Southeastern last week. Yes. Yeah, I talked a little bit about it last week on the podcast. I went to Southeastern and fell in love. That's so awesome. I man. think I'm going to marry it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're a great school. Yeah, great it's school. it's amazing. I'm great super theology. pumped. Yeah, yeah, I'm super pumped. Um, but yeah, how'd you like the podcast last week? I rode solo. Oh, yeah, dude, I listened to it. It sounded great. Cool. If Yeah, I just want to apologize to anyone who <laughs> listened to the podcast and did not uh, Well, it definitely edified it. me. It stirred me. Good. So. I'm glad. <laughs> awesome. So, the topic. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, like, the topic we're going to be specifically discussing today is the nature of the sign gifts uh, that specifically mark the apostolic age and the question of their continuation uh, in the present age. Uh, during this this era in the church. Right, and this is by far probably one of the top three debated things within all of the church. Absolutely. I would say, hands down. Because you have people that are witnesses to such gifts, but then you have people that argue biblical evidence that they don't exist. So Uh so before we kind of dig into the two different sides and then our theological opinions, what are sign gifts? Because I have spiritual gifts. Yes. I mean, so what's the difference? What are sign gifts? Yes. Indulge me. Tell me what those mean and introduce that concept to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we often differentiate uh, between the common spiritual gifts and the sign gifts. So 
just answering the question, what is spiritual? What, what are spiritual gifts? And to answer that question, you know, we look at um, we look at what the New Testament says about the nature of spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit's role in the New Testament. And part of that being uh, the edification of the body, the church. Right. And in doing so, the Spirit, when it when the Spirit baptizes believers into the body of Christ, the Bible says that it equips them. He equips them with certain gifts uh, that are meant to build up the body for the right. body's edification. So. For some, that's, you know, for me, I would say it's teaching. Right. Uh, for you, what would you get on the spiritual gifts test? Yeah, so <laughs> teaching and preaching and leading are, are kind of like where I fall to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was faith, encouragement, teaching. Uh, and so these are gifts that specifically are supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit to believers at the point of salvation, mm. and they continue to progress over time. Now, I think it's important to differentiate between a spiritual gift and a talent. Okay. Uh, because a talent... A talent can be natural, a natural inclination that you have towards something, right. and you can it, it progresses over time. The spirit is similar in that you are given to it at salvation when you're born again, and you naturally, as you grow in Christian maturity, this gift develops, and you are more able to use it within okay. within the context of the church. Right. So there's a difference, but when we're talking about sign gifts specifically, usually what people are talking about is. I would say is probably you know like miracles, uh, speaking tongues, interpreting tongues, okay. healings, things like that. Things like that. Things that are controversial in today's world, especially in America. Yes, especially you know, with the with the charismatic movement. Yeah, the charismatic move, movement has done such a such an interesting thing to people's opinions because I think it's yeah it's almost elevated the debate. Yeah. Just just with their beliefs. Not that not that it's bad. Not that yeah. you know. Not that we're causing any type of division. Yeah. But I just think the way that they're held in esteem within the different yeah. camps of theology yeah. causes a lot of division because these yeah. are things people hold highly. I yeah. Mean, and, and really, I mean, if you if you uh, for some of them, it's for some people who believe in the gifts, like specifically tongues, and we'll talk about a little bit more about this later in the podcast. But specifically, if you ask them. The question regards to like the validity of it, like some of them are are quick to defend it uh, right. because they've experienced it, right. and because a lot of them, uh, the danger, and we will get into this. You know, like I have many friends who are in the charismatic movement, and I deeply respect many teachers who are in there too. Mm. Um, however, there's many of them who associate their ability to to harness these gifts with salvation. Right. They say that this is evidence of their salvation, and because of that, that's why they cling so tightly to it. Right. And usually, like if you go to a non-denominational church. It's usually either a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church. It's, that's 99.9% .9 of the time. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> and that's what I've experienced when I go to non-denominational yeah. churches. And so today on, on today's podcast, I really want to focus on both sides. So I yes. want to focus on what, you know, people, the people that say that the gifts continue today, mm. yeah. continuists, uh, I want to focus in on that first. Yes. And then once we kind of discuss that, I want to move on to the, to the camp that says the gifts, the sign gifts are no longer in play. Okay. Cessationists. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and start with continuists. Yes. What What do they say in regards to the sign gifts? Yeah. I think, um, and this is such a fascinating topic. I mean, we see, like, even at our school that we go to, there's a lot of people who who would label themselves as charismatics right. Right. or Pentecostals. Right. And so and even some of our favorite theologians yeah. uh, would, would label so not even necessarily associate with the charismatic movement, but they do hold to a form of continuation. Even Wayne Grudem, yeah, Wayne Grudem is charismatic. Yes. And we use him at a reformed Bible college. Yes. His systematic theology book. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still unity within this difference of opinion absolutely yeah right. and, and and you know even uh you and i both very much admire john Pi john piper yes and matt chandler yeah and matt chandler's gone on the record he's even said that he would not feel comfortable pastoring a cessationist church right. uh, because he believes that um 
to deny that the Holy Spirit's the, the full manifestation of its power is available today. Um, it's not that he calls that heresy, but he's just not comfortable right, teaching yeah, a place it like that. Right, yeah, would be his conviction. So, right. so we see on both sides, and then, you know, like on the other side, we see, you know, like John MacArthur, right. these great teachers who are on the cessationist side who have some really good points and, you know, wrote Strange Fire. Yeah. And so these are both, like, two camps that have some some weight, weighty yeah, evidence and to both them. inside the Reformed community. Yes. I mean, you look at it, and so, like, <laughs> even in reformed yeah. you know community not even in charismatic on the charismatic side you yeah. have difference of opinions yes absolutely um, and it shouldn't cause division and so that's one thing that we have to be careful yeah. of today yeah. we don't we're, we're gonna add, do our best to adequately describe both mm-hmm. sides and then give you our theological convictions yes I'm, I'm gonna go on the record and say you know i'm personally like uh you know we'll go into my opinion later i will say um you know don't don't <laughs> you know, don't, if you're listening, please don't assume you know my opinion yet. You might be surprised, um, but I will say I do not ascribe myself with the charismatic movement. Mm. Um, however, I do have many friends who, and teachers who I deeply respect were in it. And back when I was in high school, I did ministry for a few years, and I led a Bible study of about 50 people. Um, it was me and another guy. His name was Caleb Rivers, uh, great great man of God, loves the Lord, and he had the exact opposite mm. theology I did. Like he he was completely Arminian. Super wow. Pentecostal, and there was so much unity in that. Even wow. though we disagree on everything, like right. we both love Jesus, love the Word, love people, and so I, I think, just like you said, it's important that we approach these topics with that mindset. Right, absolutely, and I think that's a great thing. That, that is a gift from the Holy Spirit, the fact absolutely. that we can interpret Scripture slightly different ways, yeah. yet still have such unity uh, within it. Yeah. So, so which one are we going to go through? We're gonna first? we're gonna start with the continuists. Okay. So so gifts are still active and. God is using them in today's world. Yes. So, I mean, that kind of sums it up. So if we look at the charismatic movement, or we'll just kind of focus in yes. on that. That's that's somewhat of a newer movement. It's it's kind of, it's, I think it's hitting its peak now. Yes. I think it's definitely starting to pick up some yeah. steam, especially... In the last few decades. And... Yeah, especially in... Especially up north. Yes. I think up north is a, is a huge area where the charismatic movement has taken off, but it's moving down south. Yeah. And there are a few things that I think they say yeah. uh, in terms of, like, the gifts continuing on. What, From what you know from your studies, what do, you know, continuists hold theologically as the reasons why they believe what they believe? Yeah, yeah. I, you know... And there's different levels of continuation. Yes. Of continuation of continuationism. Um, specifically, there are some who are within the charismatic movement at Pentecostal churches who, you know, like they, they jump on board with all the gifts and they do whatever they can to practice them as right. frequently as possible. Right. Um, they seek after these gifts um, as met as physical manifestations of God's power, um, due to the fact that it does, you know. Um, it, it emboldens their faith and right. their evangelism. And so that's one reason why they cling so tightly to it. There's other people like the third wave movement. And these are believers who believe that the, that the gifts ceased for a while, mm. but that it's been coming back um, right. for the past few decades. Okay. And that's been increasing. Uh, there's some great theologians who are in this camp. Um, and then there's, then there's the open, but cautious. Okay. Now, now these are the people who, and, and John Piper ascribes to this. Yes. These are people who would say that, that the gifts are still, that um, they are still active today in the church, um, but the thing is, the thing about that is, is that they are not active in the same way, and 
as a battle, you know, we're fighting a war. You know what right. I mean? And, and there's a and those battlegrounds are different in different places. And so they would say that there's a rarity to it. Um, they're not normative, right? Um, but they are active in different places. But they would say though that the charismatic movement today, the Pentecostal movement, that the way in which they practice the gift is not in line with the parameters that Scripture sets for church right. government. That's and what they would say. And I think, I think that's a fair. Uh, assumption. Like, I think that's a fair uh, criticism of, mm-hmm. uh, especially some of the extreme charismatic move. You know, part of because you have the charismatics, and and they, I would say like there are so many Pentecostals and, and yeah. things like that that are born like they are born again believers, mm-hmm. passionately in love yes. with Jesus Christ. Yes, absolutely. But then there are some extreme charismatic, you know, camps that take it to another level, and they just. Like, it's just straying from Scripture. And we can say the same thing about cessationism. Yes. Um, so don't think we're picking sides here. Because we look at it, and God's not a God of confusion. Absolutely. Like, He's like, God of order. Right. And self-control. The devil is the one who wants to deceive you yeah. and confuse you and make you doubt. That's not what. That's not in God's job description. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we have to be careful, you know, when we're judging these things and like when we're seeking scriptures and like yeah. when we're, you know, asking the Holy Spirit for clarity to ensure that we're not falling into this deception of confusion. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which the continuist camp has the ability to fall. Like you can fall into that. Yeah. And I would say it's important. And uh, you brought this up that we recognize that we cannot practice the gifts of the spirit unless we are bearing the fruits of the Spirit. Right. One of those being self-control. Right. And all the gifts, you know, the majority of the gifts, they are given for the primary purpose of the edification of the body. Uh, they're meant to be done in love, right. not for self-promotion. And it's not in the will of the person to perform these gifts. It's right. all the power of the Spirit. Um, but even then, you know, we, we don't serve a God of confusion. We serve a spirit of power right. and of order and self-control. And this Spirit... Um, especially in the parameters of corporate worship in the church and church government, it gives parameters. Paul gives parameters uh, to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 about how we are to practice these gifts. And if we just talk about specifically like the gift of speaking in tongues, because that was a very controversial gift in that day. Even, right. Um, there were some believers who, like today, associated the speaking of tongues with salvation to say that, you know, it, it's evidence of your salvation. Right. And Paul is dressing them to clarify this issue and bring clarity to, uh, to what the Bible actually does say about it, what what the purpose of the gifts are. And I think, can we talk about just tongues for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think that that's usually like, when, when we think, think of sign gifts, that's, that's like the most... the most prominent one. And I think we have to define like what is speaking in tongues because I think there's two different ideas... Me too, yes. ...of, of <laughs> what it is. And so like you have what the Pentecostals, Charismatics, and things would say like is like this this prayer where the Holy Spirit just kind of takes you over. Yeah. And you speak in this language that is not known Mm -hmm. to anyone. Yeah. And I would say, and I do agree with that to an extent. Okay. I I agree that there are two different kinds of tongues that we see in the New Testament and in the epistles. Specifically, like we see the kind um, in the book of Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And and these tongues were were given primarily for the purpose of the advancement proclamation of the gospel. Right. Um, This is, and this is also... You know, the um, this this miracle was meant to testify to the message. Um, but we see, even from the very beginning, that it wasn't sporadic or chaotic. Right. Um, while they were speaking in different languages, speaking in tongues, they all ceased whenever Peter rose up and started speaking. Right. And, and they all understood. Exactly. Some would debate that speaking in tongues isn't simply us speaking another language, but it's God opening the ears of the listeners right. so to, receive, to, right. to receive the message, even if it's not in their language. Right. And I think... I think one of the big things is like 
especially speaking in tongues, like yeah. I've seen and I've heard testimonies of that very thing. Yes. And so when I am listening to a good friend of mine tell me a personal account yeah. of them witnessing that, it's not my prerogative to say you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I can't, just as the scriptures are built off of eyewitness accounts mm-hmm. off of Jesus's resurrection, I can't go to my friend and say, you didn't see that. You're wrong. Hmm. You know, that's not my job. So yeah. I, we have to be careful when we are trying to judge these things because it's not really our job to judge those things. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, we can, and that's the thing. When we bear fruit, it's for other people. And when the question is always going to be, you know, are they doing this in love? Is this selfless? And is it building up the body? That's right. always going to be the question. Now, there is a second kind of gift that we do, uh, the second kind of tongues we see, I think, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Corinthians. Uh, where he's talking specifically about this gift, this 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 language that they're speaking that no one can kind of that, that no one knows. Right. There are people who are given the gift of interpretation, uh, but to the one who has this gift, it says that he's speaking it directly to God. It's between mm. it's between him and God. And so we see the first kind of tongues in Acts two in the um, and Pentecost. Um, this this kind of language that is an intelligible language that people can understand, and its purpose is the advancement of the gospel. But then we see here this kind of this kind of prayer. Um, in the spirit between right. a believer and God. And, and Paul actually mandates, he encourages, he even says toward the end of chapter 14, he's not he's not saying don't speak in tongues. He's not forbidding it. Right. Um, and he does leave room for those who maybe have this gift, uh, this, this unknown language. And he says, he, he gives a permission to use it in church. Um, he says one or two or three at most, one at a time, mm-hmm. um, and only if there's an interpreter. Right. So that's the parameters he gives us. Right. And I think when we look, especially how the church is handling it today, mm-hmm. I think Paul gives us very specific instructions. Like, yes. re- And he also very says, specific. this is the rarest of the rarest. Like he says, not everyone will have this gift. Yeah. Right. And so. And we, he always lists it last. Right. Yeah. And so when we look at the Pentecostal charismatic movement, we have or just anyone in general we have when when people are practicing this speaking in tongues they have to be doing it within the parameters that Paul gives us in scripture Absolutely. and if they, if we step outside of those boundaries in any way shape or form we're stepping out of the boundaries of scripture mm-hmm. and i think then we're taking our you know opinions or beliefs and we're claiming them as truth yeah like, i agree so i so what what Paul is portraying here is if you're in church and, and you're going to be speaking this rare gift of tongues and you don't have an interpreter with you, mm-hmm. keep it to yourself. Yeah. And right. it even says you can you can enjoy it right. at home in private. Right. And I know of people who have what they would call a private, a private prayer language, mm-hmm. people that I very deeply respect and who I know love the Lord. And so I'm not questioning uh, the, the truthfulness of their statements uh, because they are in line with Scripture. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's where we have to and that's where we have to fall in line too. Like yes. as long as it's within the parameters of scripture, mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. Like yeah. glory be to God. Yeah. Now, when we see specifically like groups of people all screaming in tongues, yeah. falling down, um, chaos, chaos, people getting hit <laughs> and punched and pushed down and yeah. passing out like a mosh pit. Yeah, basically, what? <laughs> What is that? That's I, I do not believe that that is um, building up the body. Okay. I think it's um, it's actually tearing it down. Right. I mean, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. I, I think 
there are people that would say, and I think John MacArthur would be in that camp, that that is straight from the devil. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I very much believe that um, if it's sporadic and there's no, if there's no organization and no edification, then it is not of the spirit of God. Right. And I think that we we could be bold in that proclamation, uh, even to our brothers and sisters who find themselves in these kind of you know churches. Right. Because I mean, it, it is hard because I do know people who have experienced this and who genuinely believe mm-hmm. and base a lot of their faith on their experience. Right. But ultimately. And this goes for both camps, um, whether you're cessationist or continuationist, regardless, we cannot base our theology and our doctrine on our experience, but on what the Word of God actually teaches. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard a story, and this is a true story, and this guy was visiting a church, uh, and it was a non-denominational church. And again, like we said, more than likely a church that's non-denominational, yeah. either Baptist or charismatic. Yep. And Usually one of the two. And he was visiting this church for the first time, and this guy walked in the back of the church and just started rambling in a language. Yeah. And he was screaming over the entire church service, and the mm-hmm. pastor was just, he just kept going. He didn't even think, like, he didn't even stop the guy wow. back there. And the guest who was visiting that church said, like, what's going on? Like, he leaned over to his neighbor and was like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And he's like, well, our church believes that if you are given a, a message from God, that you can stand up and give it. Well, ironically enough, that visitor was Russian. Hmm. And he's like, well, he's not speaking gibberish. He's speaking fluent Russian. And he's saying, hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan. And he's proclaiming that over the entire congregation. Hmm. That's some intense stuff. And yes. that goes over our heads when we don't recognize what the biblical boundaries are yes. for gifts. And I know I know of Muslims um, and Hindu groups that do speak in tongues. So just because we have a supernatural experience does not mean that it is of the Lord. Right. And I, that's something that we have to take into account because although although God is over Satan and God, God has dominion over everything, mm-hmm. this is somewhat Satan's playground. Like we're in a fallen <laughs> world. Yes. You know, where he does have he dominion the over of the this. Air, yes. So you know, he's going to use everything in his power to try and deceive and confuse absolutely, and pull people away from Christ. And that's yes. just one example of yeah. many. And that's the warning that Paul even gives. He, he's talking about how signs are a gift to unbelievers, um, but he says that if they're to come in and listen to those who are speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter, then they won't, they'll right. leave and they won't come back to the church. Um, and that's the sign of judgment. But if they hear prophecy, if they hear the word of God being proclaimed, then they'll be convicted and they might be won over to salvation. Right. Uh, so the idea is what is best for the intended audience? And we have unbelievers in our churches today. And I know of many unbelievers, my mom, um, who was an unbeliever for the longest time, and she had experiences with the Pentecostal charismatic movement, and it freaked her out. And right. that's part of the reason why she why she um, distanced herself right. from Christianity, from the Bible, um, because of this false perception. Um, and so to those who are listening and maybe find themselves of the group, I'm not at all condemning them. I'm just saying, please read um, read the epistles, right. read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, read the list of spiritual gifts. I'm not saying that everyone who attends a charismatic church, that that they that they're faking it. I'm right. not at all suggesting that. I do believe that. No, um, well, we'll get into my beliefs later. But right, right. but my point is, I'm, I'm not trying to question their experience. I'm just trying to ask them to test the spirits. Right. As yeah. And we're called says. to. Right. Yeah. And so taking that, and, and so we've looked at kind kind of this, you know, perspective that the gifts are continuing in today's age, and we've seen yes. examples, and I think there are biblical examples of gifts continuing, and I think we can 
people have definitely witnessed that happening. Yes. So let's kind of switch gears and move into cessationism. Yes. And like the and ceasing I think of this. This is definitely probably the most prevalent view that we see in Reformed churches. Yes. And, and I, I got saved at the age of 15 and I went to a Baptist church. And so I didn't even know much theology right. back then, but they were very cessationist. And I went to a cessationist school, Word of Life, and, and right. I love them very much. I have mad respect for them. But yeah, they are extremely cessationist. And, and even our school, um, the faculty, yes. uh, you know, I mean, like they're, they're all awesome. Uh, but that is the majority view. It is. When and it comes to believers who are in these churches. Right. And I think it, it's difficult because I don't think that, and this is just my opinion, I don't mm -hmm. think there's too much biblical basis for cessationism. Mm. I think it's based off of experience. Yes. I've never experienced speaking in tongues. Yes. Therefore it doesn't exist. And I, I think that's a I think that's where a lot of theologians and Christians draw yes. their conclusions from. And so I I have a book, it's by John MacArthur. It's called Strange Fire. Yes. One of his most famous books. Mm. Uh, he even has a Strange Fire conference where he sits down with a panel of guys and just talks about stuff like this. And it's John MacArthur is an amazing theologian and one of the wisest men in a pulpit. Yes. Uh, and here's what he says about, about this. And they're very weighty words. And so if you don't agree with him, these are what he says. Mm -hmm. We're explaining the two different sides and we're yes. here. We're not picking a side. Yes. Um, we'll explain what we believe later. Here's what John MacArthur says. The true spirit of God does not cause his people to bark like dogs or laugh like hyenas. He does not knock them backward to the ground in an unconscious stupor. He does not incite them to worship in a chaotic and uncontrollable way. And he certainly does not accomplish his kingdom's work through false prophets, fake healers, and fraudulent, fraudulent tele-evangelists. By inventing a holy spirit of, idolat of idolatrous imaginations, the modern charismatic movement offers strange fire that has done incalculable harm to the body of Christ. Mm. That's pretty bold words. <laughs> They're bold words. And like we said, I don't think he's 100% wrong mm -hmm. because looking at the at the extreme cases of the charismatic movement, I think that the way the gifts are practiced are yes. unbiblical and stray from scriptural basis. Yes. However, he's making this objective statement mm -hmm. and he's applying it to everyone. Not just the extreme, not just the people who are taking it out of context. Yes, just so continuationism in of itself. It's raw. It's done. Yes. So that's his opinion. That that is the that is the that's he is probably the main proponent of the cessationist side today. Yes. So in your in your theological studies and in your scripture readings, do you personally have anywhere in scripture that would support a cessationist view? Uh, I would say that I think the scriptures are very vague on this. Um, and not to say that you know, that's intentional. I, well, actually, I believe that as the Holy Spirit prompted the apostles to write the Holy Scriptures, the, the New Testament canon, and as he carried them along, and as they penned these words, that we could see, obviously, a progression in what's happening. We could see the apostolic age coming to life just in the pages of Acts, and we see these miraculous things happening. And so, in regards to the question, do they still happen today? I don't think the New Testament really speaks much into that. Right. Most of the arguments, the, the main arguments that we hear from cessationists are that these gifts characterize the apostolic age and that the purpose of the gifts was for the advancement of the gospel and to authenticate the message. The miracle authenticated the message. That was the idea. Right. And because many church 
fathers and historians throughout the centuries have not spoken of this gift as often, um, people believe that it's just ceased and that it was just it was just primarily given to the apostles and to their contemporaries during that day. That's right. usually the logic that goes with it. Now, is c- cessationism, is that view primarily a dispensational view? I would say every cessationist that I have met falls w- would put themselves in the dispensational Now, view. do you think that's because we're no longer in that dispensation? Like, well, do you think the transition out of that included the ceasing of the gifts? I would say I would say that that's usually the argument. Okay. I have I have uh, spent extensive time with dispensational theologians, and uh, some of my old professors at Word of Life were mm-hmm. uh, were very dispensational. Everyone at Trinity here is dispensational. Yeah, essentially, and they even wrote they wrote lectures on this, and specifically, you know, they they were very. They were very eager to point out the flaws of continuationism. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were very eager to. And one of their main arguments being that we are in the church age. But the problem is, is that some would even go so far as to say that Peter in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon is misquoting Joel. Huh. Uh, where he says in Joel 2, he talks about um, how the Spirit will come upon men and women and they'll be prophesying and, and, and you know, like all these miraculous things happening. Right. And some would go as far as to say that he misquoted that verse. Hmm. And that what Joel was talking about has to do with the the coming millenni- millennial kingdom right. at the end of the age when Christ returns, uh, and so it really is controversial. Yeah. But I would say the majority of cessationists that I know, at least, fall in the dispensational camp, and for that reason, they would say because we are in this age, uh, because we're not in the apostolic age. And I think I personally believe we do have to recognize that there was something special about the physical presence of the apostles. Right. You know what I mean? Like this yeah, scripture I mean. is being written. Uh, we cannot deny that there is something special about this age, about these people groups, about these men um, who who laid the foundation of the church. Uh, we can't deny that. Right. However, the New Testament gives extensive evidence on people who were not apostles who did perform these gifts. Right. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that right. we and can't I, deny that. Yeah, there's, yeah, we can't deny it. There's no reason to deny it. Yes. Um, and so... After talking a little bit about that, let's kind of get into to our convictions of the scriptures. And I think we have similar. <laughs> we're views. very similar. We're I would really say. similar. I don't. Yeah. There might be one or two small things, but I think yes. we're really close. And I think that's also because we have similar. We're both covenantal. We <laughs> yeah. both kind of lean ah mill a little bit, historic pre mill maybe. Yeah. And so, with that being said, what are your convictions? Because yes, I would just kind of like to hear. And for you to share to the audience, like, where do you lie within, yes. you know, the, the gifts and, and things like that? <laughs> I have been asked this question multiple times on multiple occasions. Well, hopefully <laughs> now you can just direct people to the yes. podcast. You no longer have to answer the question. Yes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, I've had this conversation many times. I would personally, I would put myself in the category of, and in the, um, in the, uh, in the family, in the class of those who hold the open but cautious view that John Piper holds. Right. Uh, and specifically, I would say the main reason behind that, it's not that I'm openly embracing it. Now, I do believe in the full, like as Matt Schneider says, the full manifestation of the Spirit's power being available in all ages. I very much believe that the death Mm. of the apostles does not change the fact that we live in the church age today, that the same church age, the same spirit that they had is the same spirit that we have, and that the same things that are happening then are happening now, the advancement of the gospel, and that's the most important thing. Right. Um, Now, specifically, why do I hold this view? and again, just to just a refresher, I do not condone the unbiblical practices, what I believe is unbiblical, of mm-hmm. the charismatic movement. Um, and I have many friends who are in that movement, but I do not condone what they do, and I do not believe it is biblical. However, I do not deny 
uh, that the gifts are still active today. I do not claim that they cease because I don't see biblical ground for that. Now, I think the main reason I am, though, the main biblical reason I am is because 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter that we all know about love, right. toward the very end, it does talk about the cessation of tongues and of the gifts. and. But it says that it will happen when the perfect comes. Mm. Now, this phrase, the perfect, is probably the most debated phrase um, in that letter. Yeah. Because the nature of the perfect, it, whatever the perfect is, that clears up the argument. Right. Um, yeah. Of who, who's right. It gives us the answer. Exactly. But we don't know what the perfect... Like, the inter- interpretations are <laughs> exactly. all over the place. You know? Exactly. Now, now, for me, what do I believe about it? I would personally say the cessationist believes that the perfect is the completion of the New Testament canon uh, with... You know, um, at the end of you know John's revelation uh, in AD 9095, mm-hmm. they would say that the completion of the New Testament canon is the perfect that that Paul mm-hmm. was anticipating. Okay. Um, that's usually what they say, and that's the main argument that I've heard. And and I've heard some great arguments for it. I, I don't believe that that's what Paul had in mind when okay. he was writing this letter, because even Paul was writing scripture, um, even if he may right. have not realized it, he was writing scripture, and it would be considered scripture, and it was from the Spirit, and and he knew that. Um, but I don't believe he had that in mind. Now, now, just to right, clarify, the, I, the scriptures are sufficient, though. Right, and I think I think when when we're trying to think like Paul, especially when we studied like Pauline literature and we studied yeah. you know the epistles that he wrote, specifically in Romans, he doesn't claim anything that humans do ever are human are are perfect. Like yeah, yeah. like for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, like our righteousness is dirty rags compared. Yeah. So like. We look at these things, and so, like like you said, I don't think what he thought, the complete, I don't think, I think the perfect in his mind is Jesus, and only yes. Jesus. Yes, and, and that's, the, that's the second argument. Um, this is the one, the most commonly held belief on the nature of the perfect, held by continuationist. Right. And I think that the main reason why I think the argument's more weighty is because he says that the perfect knows us. He says that the perfect, um, he says, for now I see in a mirror one day I'll see face to face. So he describes the perfect as having, he personifies it. Right. Um, and I very much believe the nature of this perfect is Christ himself. I believe that the gifts and Ephesians talks about this. Ephesians lists the gifts and it says that these gifts are given to the apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists. Mm. And it says until we've attained the unity of the body. Right. And when will that happen? When will edification no longer be necessary? I think at glorification. Right. When Jesus returns, his church um, is resurrected. Uh, his bride is with him and the new heavens, new earth are inaugurated. His kingdom is consummated on earth as mm. is in heaven. That's when I believe the gifts will cease because they'll no longer be necessary. Right. There'll be no more evangelizing to do. There'll be yes. no more gospel, like, because everyone, everyone will be there. And yes. so, so with that being said, and, and I, I pretty, I agree with everything you said. I don't disagree with anything. <laughs> oh, um, thank you. I've coined kind of my own term. And, you know, before we wrap up here, I've coined the term geographical continuous. Yeah, I like that. I do. Uh, and that's that's where I, that's where I am. Mm-hmm. So, just to give you guys a quick example, and I'll use healings uh, as an example. That's a really good example for this. Yeah. So here in a first <laughs> yeah. world country, where medicine and uh, doctors and things are available to us in pretty easy demand. Like we can go to a doctor when we are sick. We mm-hmm. can get prescribed medication when we need it. Mm-hmm there isn't as much of a need for healings here because God has blessed us with other routes of healing. Yes, absolutely. However, in South Africa or Mm. Kenya or, you know, other countries Mm -hmm. where medicine isn't as available and doctors aren't 
just on every block. Yeah. Healing is a lot is needed a lot more. Yes. Because they don't have the resources that we yeah. have. And I think that is something that we have to look at because God is like we have to focus on God's glory, right? Yes. And so and God doesn't confuse his people. Mm-hmm. So healings in a first world country, yes, can cause some f- confusion. Yeah. Like, and God's not a God of confusion. Yeah. But in a third world country where someone is desperately in need of some healing and God Mm -hmm. is going to be glorified in and through that healing and he knows his gospel will Mm -hmm. will be advanced in an unreached people group. Mm. That healing is monumental to the spread of the gospel in that area. Yeah. It's just true. Same thing with dreams Absolutely. and visions Absolutely. and prophecies. We hear about that happening all the time with our brothers and sisters in the East. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so taking those things into account, we can see the purpose and the need mm-hmm. for these gifts to continue yeah. in third world countries and in other places besides maybe America or, yeah. or other first world countries. Not to say that gifts can't be used mm-hmm. in these first world countries. But I don't think they're as prominent. Yes, and because they're not necessary. Right. And and, and even like the, the war that we fight, the spiritual war, it is a lot more visible in Eastern countries. Like we see the rise of, you know, witch doctors and these spiritual um these spiritual like these visible physical manifestations of spiritual warfare we see them in other countries right uh, we see witchcraft we see things like this things that, that are part of their culture um so i would say and, and whereas here you know saying attacks is through you know like uh, sexuality right and um and commercialism and things right, like that right. materialism addictions, addictions. And, right. and so i very much believe that you know like we fight a war but the battle is different in different places right yeah and and i think and i think that's why when <clears throat> say we go on mission trips or, or we leave the country and we mm. experience these crazy acts of God yeah. in, in the third world countries is because the advancement of the gospel in these unreached people groups is crucial. Mm. And so God is equipping his servants with the essential weapons or the essential tools mm-hmm. to accomplish his will. Yes. And so America is unfortunately becoming an unreached people group. And that might be a a topic for another podcast. (laughs) But when we are going to these people groups that don't have the gospel in their language Mm. and can't understand the things from our culture and can't relate to us on any level, Mm -hmm. that's when God can step in in his sovereignty and expose Jesus to them and be like, here's my son, here's the truth. And there are examples of this happening. Mm. And so I think to just discredit that off the bat is horrible. Yeah. I and I think it's heretical. Yes. I don't think we can say that God is limited to a certain time working yeah. right. Right. So if, you know, the the apostle dispensation is only when God could work. And now that since we're in the church age, he can't work like that anymore. Mm, I don't yeah. think it doesn't give God his glory. It doesn't give God his power. Yes. And we're kind of constructing God in our own box to fit what yes. we believe instead of what scripture yes. declares. Yes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. And though though it's, though it's it is undebated that the kingdom of God was inaugurated at Christ's first coming, that it came in a new way, that the spirit came in a new way at Pentecost, we, we don't have to debate that. But we will say it's always been the same God, the same spirit um, throughout history, right. both from the Old to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, from Adam to Christ to us. Um, it has been the same God working and weaving um, his redemptive purposes throughout history right. and, and using people um, and equipping them for the purpose of the advancement of the gospel to set the captives free. I will say about the healing thing, though, I do have a friend who, um, a mentor of mine whose brother 
went to a third world country um, with stage four testicular cancer. Wow. And there was a bunch of men in the village. Um, this is an African village. And they all come around him one night, all, all believers, and they all pray over his uh, over his testicles. Um, like they, they touch it, they pray over him one by one. And then the next uh, next week, he goes back home to America and it's gone. Wow. His testicular. And it was, it was terminal. Stage four? Yes, it was stage wow. four. And so I very much believe, you know, like, like you said, it is dangerous for us to deny the power of the manifest power of God uh, and to limit it to a certain um, right. age or, or, or time period. I very much believe that the Lord is still working today. Um, and I think the most important thing is that our mindset is towards Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. Right. Uh, and, and just like Paul suggested, we should be seeking after the greater gifts, the ones that will best edify the body. If right. God so chooses to equip me, like, I'm just going to be honest, like, I believe tongues are still active, but I don't have mm-hmm. that gift. Right. Like, I don't speak in tongues. Yeah, and, the, I mean, there's a, this is a whole topic for maybe even another podcast, but, I mean, and John Piper has gone on the record and said that he prays every day to God for God to bless him with tongues. Like he prays that. And so it it just got me thinking, I think God, although I might not have the gift of tongues right now, Mm. when I go to to Haiti in the spring, you might, God may bless me with a short season because, you know, Joel who lives in Haiti needs to hear the gospel. Yes. And the only way he'll be able to hear it is through Christ's work and allowing him to understand my tongue. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that there might be short seasons and time periods when God could bless a, you know, a follower, a, 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 uh, a Christian with that gift. But again, and we look at Paul in second Corinthians and, and he's, he's getting these revelations from Christ. Yeah. Don't get prideful. Yes. I'm going to give you this thorn in your side, you know? So that's another thing we have to t- take into account. If yeah. we are blessed with these supernatural, supernatural things, how easy for us is it to become prideful? Absolutely. And that's probably one of the reasons why God withholds a yes. lot of those things from us. And Paul couldn't heal that thorn. You know he mean? couldn't. Like, and he pleaded. Yeah. And he healed other people too. But right? he couldn't heal himself. But he couldn't do it. And, and just, just, just goes to show you that the power is in the spirit working right? through us. And it's we even look at the apostles, you know, or the disciples at the time, Jesus, we couldn't heal him. Why not? We couldn't take the demons away from this guy. In fact, mm. the demons beat us yes. up. Yes. I call it the reverse exorcism. <laughs> and they did the opposite of, of exercise yeah. the demons. Why couldn't we? Right? Yes. Because no matter w- what you've been blessed by God, God is sovereign over your blessings. Absolutely. So if you have the gift of healing, he can still say, no, not right now. Mm. He doesn't need to be healed right now. He needs to be pointed to Christ through his suffering. Absolutely. So God is still sovereign over any of the gifts he decides mm-hmm. to grant us. Um, but yeah, I think we've talked on this topic a lot <laughs> yeah. for a short amount of time and it's such an interesting topic and thank you so much for for being here on such short notice no, on dude, top of that absolutely hey I'm glad to do it um, I very, I've always been fascinated by the topic and I know that there's probably believers who are listening um, all around the world right now who are yeah. very confused about this gift and so I mean, we all we want to do is just bring clarity um, right. we want to present the scriptures um in a way not not to prove our convictions but to help them shape and mold theirs right because it is is it is controversial and i do believe that every believer as they read those scriptures they're going to come to this point where they have to wrestle with this issue um and it's not even that's the most important issue the gospel is of first importance but as we wrestle with this i think it's important that we come to understand just like you said that ultimately what's it all about and that is the advancement of the gospel right gifts are no gifts yes exactly 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's all for the glory of God. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that's something that all camps can try to agree with. Yes. Is that the gifts are from God and for the glory of God. Yes. Um, and so if any of us are blessed with practicing any type of any type of gift, yeah. let's do it for the glory of God, even if it's just our spiritual gifts, yes. which are just as much of a blessing. Uh, and you should be using those to serve in your church and bless others. Billy, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate all the ministry you do here on campus in North Tampa. Yes, North Tampa. That's and, right. And yeah. uh, just, just the youth group you do there. And yes. it's such a blessing. Thank to you have so you. much. Your theological insight on, to, <laughs> on the show today. So with with all that being said, guys, I really appreciate all of you tuning in to today's podcast. Please follow us on iTunes. Subscribe to our podcast there. Leave us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Really appreciate it. Uh, we have hit number four on iTunes which is our record. That is amazing. God is using this podcast in amazing ways. We have people in South Africa listening, people in Bangladesh listening, people in Japan listening. And so if you are one of those people, thank you so much for tuning in. It's such a blessing. And we are here praying for all of you guys listening. And we just pray that that the podcast be edifying and Christ-centered and just a nice break from from just the stress so that you can sit down and focus on God for a little bit. Mm. Make sure you email me with any questions you have at Grace Nation Men. Uh, that's, that's Grace Nation Ministries at Yahoo.com. And follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Men and on Facebook. Like our page, get our updates, sign up for our newsletter, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care and God bless. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. The BGN Podcast comes out every week. Questions? Email us at gracenationministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at gracenationmin. Until next time, take care and God bless.